Under cover of her silence, he pressed her arm closely to his side. And as they stood at the hotel door, he felt that they had escaped from their lives and duties, escaped from home and friends, and run away together with wild and radiant hearts to a new adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 519 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a Thursday Comics episode. That was a quote by James Joyce from the dead. And we got a nice little stack of comics today. And some other stuff we're going to talk about. Starting out with Daredevil, Born Again. What's up with this? Is this going to be a... It looks like it's going to be an 18-episode debut season. So they're starting to hold Daredevil series over it's like one of the longest running marvel series that i can't catch up on i'm so far behind and i think i'm like halfway to two-thirds of the way through the thing but i am curious about this new one they said Let's see. Overall, five characters were described in the casting grid and will either appear in Born Again as reoccurring guest performers or in a co-star capacity. The first character described is Derek, an Asian-American male in his late 20s, early, early 30s, who works as a professional office at a professional office and assist where needed. Derek will co-star in the first two episodes and may recur beyond that. Barry, a male of unspecified ethnicity, who is in his 40s to early 60s, will be a reoccurring co-star and is described as a slight bookwormish bureaucrat who meets meets with a colleague. Recurring guest performers include Angelo, an Italian-American male in his 50s to early 60s, described as an old-school mobster type, dressed to perfection. Alexia, a white male in his 40s with a Russian or Eastern European background, who will don a sweatsuit for a business meeting. And Lorenzo, an Italian-American male in his 30s who is a hot-headed mafia member in a more casual dress. So is this like going back in time? Going to like noir style? And so much mafia stuff and old school stuff. They don't give you much description about the show at all. Just talking about the people in the reoccurring roles. Hmm. And it says it won't necessarily follow Frank Miller's story. So, yeah, we'll see. I have a feeling I'll go back to the original one and just finish that one off instead. We'll see. 
then next up, let's see what else we got to talk about. I did watch some more stuff. On Netflix, we checked out that 90s show. It's like basically Red and Kitty are back. Taking care of the new kids, the kids' kids, and their friends. And I, almost everybody from the show, original show, shows up on the first season. A lot of your favorite characters, of course, except for Hyde, because he screwed up his whole chances at a lot of things by being a dumbass, as Red would say. Then we checked out Slumberland, which is a fun Alice in Wonderland style journey of loss and discovery of a girl that goes off into these interesting far away land after her father, who she lives in a lighthouse with and helps take care of the lighthouse and Something happens to him, and she ends up getting moved around and ends up on a little journey and of search and discovery, and it was a lot of fun. It's got Jason Momoa as one of the main beast characters that she travels with. And lots of fun environments, fun visuals. Great series to check out. They're not series, movie. Movie. I also checked out the Pez Outlaw. That was a fun little story on uh, a person that made a lot of money and lost a lot of money in the whole Pez era when everything was being taken over by one conglomerate in the United States trying to control everything. And of course, that just come, ends up coming to lawsuits and all that shit if anybody else steps on anybody's. Back in the day, whoever came up with something or whoever started something was pretty much the person that did it. And if anybody else tried to do it, there'd be lawsuits or the mafia would go in and take them out or whatever. <laughs> it's a, it was that, just that kind of mentality back in the day. No one could do anything anybody else was doing and now we have everybody doing everything that everybody else does so it's way out of hand now so it kind of kind of shows you the two different points at one moment hardly anybody could make a living now too many people are trying to make a living and it's affecting everybody else and you have so many restaurants running right now that there's no employees to fill them but if they closed down a third of the restaurants, those employees would go to the other restaurants and then we'd have at least some good running restaurants that could take care of people and you wouldn't have to sit in line and drive through for a half hour waiting to get up to the microphone to tell them what you want so they can complain about it and then probably spit in your food anyways. Or who knows what else they're going to do to it. And then on uh, Disney Plus, I believe it was, we checked out Wakanda Forever. Again, another piece of shit dark film. It's like, why are they making these films so damn dark? Yeah, it's fine if you're in a dark theater and can enjoy it. 
visually, but when you're at your home, and I start watching it, and not even a half hour into it, I gotta stop and wait till nighttime. I can turn off all the lights and sit in a dark room and maybe see what the hell the picture is and what's going on. It's just, and I obviously I didn't search it online or anything. I just all of a sudden came across a thing where other people were bitching about the darkness in the movies too. It's just, I don't know, the last few superhero style movies that I watched at home, you could hardly see. It's just, it's just dumb. Make a brighter atmosphere so people can see what's going on. You can still give the storyline depth and feel without having it all dark and spooky. It's like the directors need to come up with new means if they can't come up with the way to make the thing that enjoyable to watch. And then the last one, oh, also with the Wakanda Forever, I should mention. I do like the whole, what they did with the new Black Panther and the homage to the past. And uh, Namor, the Namor, or whatever you want to call him. I had high hopes for him because I'm not a fan of Aquaman. Uh, I was hoping Namor, he's usually depicted as a badass in the books. I was hoping for that, but those stupid ass winged feet, those tiny little wings making him fly around that fast and stuff. And yeah, that was absolutely stupid. And I'm sorry, Wakanda, you may have the same vibranium that Namor and his crew are using but they would have wiped you off the earth in a matter of minutes if they actually would have just full-fledged attacked right off the bat. So basically storyline, stupid, that Wakanda turns things around and all that and just, I don't know. There are so many times that, Namor's people could have took out Wakanda, but they didn't. So, uh, yeah, he'll use it in the future to get back at him or whatever, I'm sure, in a future movie. But until then, yeah, didn't care for that one that much. Uh, I could have. Took an hour and a half out of that movie and enjoyed it more. And then, the final one, we went to the theater and seen Knock at the Cabin, I believe it's called, with Batista. I decided at the last minute to go with the guys and see it. I wish I would have got there earlier and uh, the one guy's wife went to go see Puss in Boots new movie and I would have rather seen that because I didn't research this movie at all until I got to the theater. I just clicked on the theater's site to see how long the 
movie was since it was later in the afternoon. And I was curious what time I'd be getting out of the theater. And then I seen it was M. Night Shyamalan or whatever. Whatever his name is, who I can't stand any of his movies. And I keep everybody keeps telling me Signs is great. I don't remember it, so it's not that good. <laughs> I can't even tell you what happened to it. And usually those type of dramatic horror style related movies, you find out the plot and you don't want to watch them again anyways. At least I don't. But I couldn't tell you anything about the plot or anything for signs. <laughs> but this one, so many issues. I mean... Tons of spoilers if you're listening to this and want to see the movie. But basically, the four people, which I instantly, once I seen them walking with their weapons, coming out of the woods, or their tools, not weapons, I uh, instantly thought Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And it's just Batista and his little pervy thing of a big hulking guy coming out of the woods and just walking up to a little girl that's collecting grasshoppers and just starts hanging out with her and talking to her and being all nice to her and trying to get on her side and learn some information from her. Just, yeah, it's a very strange layout, but basically the, People in the cabin have to sacrifice someone, can't kill themselves. If they don't, the end of the world's going to come, and they'll get to live. But it's two, it's a gay couple, and their daughter, which I believe the daughter is a legitimate daughter of one of the guys. And it's like, okay, so you're going to let everybody in the rest of the world die? And two men and their daughter are going to repopulate the earth? What? I mean, what's the sense of any of it? It makes no sense. Uh, In that format, all the things they do to try and protect themselves, putting furniture in front of full, full window doors and stuff like that to keep people out. It's like, really? (laughs) be smart about it either go down in the basement and try and get out the the back way or find some other way to get the hell out of there but don't board yourself up in a building that can be burnt down windows can be smashed all that shit it's just dumb then if you get your access to a gun number one every gun i have has a full clip next to it you don't have your ammunition Sitting next to an empty clip that's laying outside of the gun. Just have a full clip with your extra ammo laying off to the side of the gun. And then you just grab the clip, throw it in the gun. Pull the lever back, put a shell in the chamber, and you're good to go. But instead, you fight to try and get one or two shells into the clip. And then get the clip in the gun so you can defend yourself. And then you uh, leave the rest of the ammunition in the car. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Just, there's just so many stupid things they do. 
and when someone something happens to someone and then the first plague hits and you sit there and watch live people dying thousands of people dying about to die hearing people talk about their children that couldn't swim that died and watching other children like your daughter getting killed right in front of your eyes and that doesn't make you accept what's up and try and save some people no you just gotta draw it out <laughs> let tons more people die first it's just which fine i mean there's too many people on the planet in the first place but it's just beyond stupid it's just i don't understand why people like his movies or why they become anything but yeah that's my entertainment I've seeked out recently. So let's get to the comics. Uh, starting out with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Last Ronin Lost Years. Number one. Uh, there's not a synopsis in there. Even though Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, The Lost Years, number one, by Kevin Eastman, Tom Waltz, S.L. Gallant, or S.I. Gallant, Maria Keene, Ben Bishop, Louis Antonio Delgado, and Sean Lee gives readers a glimpse into how April and Casey O'Neill, well, now they spell Casey, they, in this review, they spelt Casey wrong, according to this book. Uh, O'Neill have taken it upon themselves to train the next generation of heroes in a half shell. The future is far from the only scenery on offer. In the not-so-distant past, Michelangelo makes what he had hoped would be his final journey. Of course, fans of the series know this isn't the case, but until now, no one knew exactly what it was that brought back Michelangelo's will to live. And this is a fun, well, not fun. It's <laughs> it's a well done look back at what happens before the last Ronin, and we get into some new young turtles that are being trained by Casey and April, and it's like. I feel like the turtles are being replaced. And it's understandable. They went bizarre and crazy and just went into every realm they could with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then they took them to all the dimensions. They took them all over the place. All these different worlds. And then they killed them off. And now they're going to start I guess a new group of turtles with not so enjoyable names. I don't like the names at all. They just don't, none of them really grab you. They're kind of goofy. The characters are, eh, we'll see. I get what they're going for. They're going for 
more variety in the types of turtles and characters that you're dealing with. So, yeah, I enjoy this run. I'm, I mean, it's a bummer. It's a bummer run, but it's enjoyable to the extent that you learn a lot of stuff from it. That helps out if you don't know much about these things. <clears throat> and then we got Valiant Reader by Valiant Comics, Volume 1 from 1993. And this one, Welcome to the Valiant Reader. If you've never read a Valiant comic before, great. We're glad you picked this one up. So take this book home, grab your favorite easy chair, and relax. But be forewarned, if you're expecting the cookie-cutter stereotypes of characters that inhabit the plethora of other superhero universes, you're in for a shock. Our characters aren't imitations of other heroes. There's no Superman-type guy, no Batman-type guy, no Wolverine or other animal-type guy. There's no big, strong Hulk-type thing guy. No beautiful but helpless superheroine with a lame power type. No big gun-toting mutant with a twinkle in his eye type. No cosmos-devouring entities. No flavor-of-the-month aliens. And no super-powered mythological gods. The Valiant Universe characters are primarily one thing. People at Valiant, we strive to make our stories seem real, and depict our characters as credible persons. They're fictional, of course, with a touch of fantastic, but they're as real as we can make them. Now, if you do read a few Valiant comics every month, God bless you. Take this book home, pull up an easy chair, and get reacquainted with some of the old friends. Maybe you'll find some new friends as well. After all, isn't this what comics are supposed to be all about? Entertainment? But it's fun because it gives you the characters like Archer and Armstrong, Bloodshot, Harbinger, Magnus the Robot Fighter, Master Dark, Doctor Eclipse, Secret Weapons, and all the different Valiant Universe characters. And gives them the nice little... Uh, basically timeline, storyline of what has happened in their past, what they're up to currently or coming up to, and you learn a lot about them throughout it. And it was fun. It was enjoyable. I read about some characters I knew about, and I read about some characters I didn't know about, and learned some things. And found some characters and storylines I definitely want to check out. Some that I have. And will be able to check out once I find them. <laughs> then next up. We got a Valiant Vision Starter Kit. Volume 1. A new experience in three dimensions. Valiant Vision is a patented process that enables the wearer to view three-dimensional space. When looking at an ordinary two-dimensional comic book page. Unlike previous attempts at 3D, Valiant Vision works with full-color images such as those found in any Valiant comic. Depth perception is obtained due to an assortment of data 
data each eye transmits to the brain based on depth of field, contrast, and focus. Valiant Vision approximates depth of field by the use. And they use certain colors that make the depth just pop wonderfully. Uh, these are the clear 3D glasses that come with it. And it also comes with a, a poster, all of which is 3D. The whole complete book, everything inside it, the poster. And this is one of the best, well-done, pre-2000s uh, 3D event that I've ever read or checked out. And I loved it. It's got a little story in there. Gives you a little background about what's happening and what they did and how it's going to be in certain Valiant comics that have the Valiant Vision seal. So I got one, well, I had two sealed sets and I opened one just to check it out for this. And the other one will stay sealed for now. But yeah, I, I learned a lot through that. And it was an awesome little experience. Next up, we got Vampire Mayu by Narumi Kakanuchi and Antarctic Press. This is manga number one to five of six. I don't have the last issue, sadly. I will have to hunt it down. But stranded in the space between the human world and the demon underworld, the series' central characters are a Japanese vampire girl named Mayu and her western Shinma companion Larva. Mayu is the daughter of both a human being and a Shinma, a name for a race of god-demon. She was born a vampire, and as such, she was awakened as the guardian, whose destiny is to hunt down all stray Shinma and send them back to the darkness. Charged with the responsibility of returning the evil demons away before turning 15 years old, she yearns to return to the darkness herself, but not until she has banished all the Shinma from Earth. And since her awakening, she remains cut off by the facts of who and what she is. Most locations in the series are evocative of traditional Japan. This was very enjoyable. I definitely want to get the sixth issue, and there's a bunch of other issues, because there was a four... I mean, it's a Japanese horror manga series, as well as an anime adaptation by the same creators. The anime, anime was originally presented in a four-episode OVO, Original video animation licensed by Anime Eagle in 1988 and was later adapted into a 26 episode television series licensed by Tokyo Pop and released in 1997. Which I gotta find, it's gotta be on one of my platforms, especially since it's through Tokyo Pop. But yeah, this is interesting, confusing at times because she takes other people into her world as her vampire form, but yet she's feeding her larva companion through that, I guess. And these 
ladies and guys are dying, so she's got to be using her vampire form. But yeah, that was a f finally another manga I finally checked out, and it was another one that I enjoyed. And I'm gonna get deeper into it and hopefully get to see the animated series eventually and check that out. But the main reason I had that one is because of my wife's vampire collection, of course. So. And then the final one, which we're running out of time, so we'll make this quick, is Year Zero, Volume Zero by AWA Upshot, number four of five, by Daniel Kraus, Gordon Zadzuka, and Miroslav Merva. We're getting our little stories a little bit deeper, finding out more about the demilitarized zone, the Russian... Uh, cop mob type storyline. We get a little Benjamin Franklin thing going on here. We got our flight attendant story that's getting deeper. We got our hospital line story. And all the zombie outbreak is just getting more and more to the point of climax where it's going to be full blown. So. Yeah, I'm liking this series, and I'm looking forward to the final issue of the Volume 0 and see what, then I'll be able to check out Volume 1 and 2, which I think I have, but if not, I will be getting them, and I will talk about them. But that's it, I'm out of time, so be good to yourself, be good to everybody else, kick shot monster, check out Crimson Cull Comic Club, Under the Call, Under the Call of MS, audio, video, YouTube, all that good stuff, and we will get back to you again sometime soon. Bye.